everybody, and welcome to another episode of Magic with Zuby. Today, we are going to be talking about a lot of topics here. We're going to be discussing a little bit about Frontier, uh, what kind of movie Magic the Gathering should be or should make, and we're going to discuss a little bit about the Magic the Gathering banner restricted announcement, which I'm sure you've all heard by now, but you know I want to discuss a little bit about it. And then we're going to go diving in a little bit about cube which is quickly becoming one of my favorite formats right now so before we begin let's get these ads out of the way calling all dungeons and dragons fans if you like actual play podcasts then i urge you to check out a new one it's called you meet in a tavern starring a halfling monk with a napoleon complex an honorable human paladin with an arsenal of horrible impressions, and an animal-loving half-elf druid whose bonds are covalent and mortgage-backed. We are four twenty-somethings with dull jobs by day, letting our inner nerd kid shine through our first-ever D&D 5th edition campaign together. Come listen to our quest on iTunes, and follow us on Twitter at YMIA Tavern. That's You Meet in a Tavern, because every good story starts in a bar. So your father's a nerd. Unfortunately, there's no player's guide to raising a family. But this podcast is meant to be a family's guide to nerdism. Join us, Alec and Zuby, as we go in depth as to what it's like to raising a family of nerdlings and the adventures and hardships of fatherhood. We dive deep into our favorite nerd topics and talk to you about how it's related to raising a family. You can find So Your Father's a Nerd on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio. Well, hey there, Zoe. Why the long face there, chum? I just want to order some magic cards, but the shipping was too expensive. Too expensive? Well, did you know if you go to LegitMTG.com, you can order any magic cards, and anything over $2 or more has free shipping. Wow, free shipping's at LegitMTG.com. That's amazing. You heard that right, Zoe. Free shipping at LegitMTG.com with any order over $2 or more. Be sure to visit today and get the best deal on magic singles and magic sealed product available. Broken computer, do you wish you could take your PC back in time? Well, Horizon Datasys has developed the premier product called Rollback RX. Rollback RX not only allows you to bring your machine back to any point in time, but it's a great way to recover from a bad driver update, viruses, or even a botched installation. Horizon Datasys doesn't tend to discount their product often as they know it's going to save you hundreds of dollars in recovering your PC. But for listeners of Magic with Zuby, they provided us an exclusive discount. Visit https colon slash slash goo.gl slash capital D I capital B V A capital F for 25% off rollback RX. So tonight I wanted to discuss a format that is making its way, especially in Japan and Canada, uh, parts of Canada, I think mainly Toronto. And that is the format of Frontier. Um, as I've mentioned before in another episode, if you're not really that familiar with Magic, Frontier, I mean, there are a lot of formats I've mentioned. I know I've mentioned um, Standard, Modern, Legacy, Vintage, Commander, and all that. But Frontier is a relatively new format. Um, what, did it re- start coming about August, September last year, I think? I mean, that's what I remember hearing about it. Uh, I mean, send me, me send me an email if I'm wrong. 
or if it's been around earlier. But it's sort of uh, Japan's answer to modern. And if you look at modern prices, um, modern decks are starting to slowly go up. And they're getting, especially the tier one decks, tier one and tier two decks, they're definitely going the way of legacy where it's just starting to get a pretty inaccessible for most players where some decks are getting over the thousand dollar range, you know, maybe close to $2,000, really depending on what you're building. A lot of that has to do with the mana bases, as well as some of the creatures that are over a hundred dollars and some planeswalkers that are over a hundred dollars as well, especially during the time of recording this podcast. Um, with modern master spoilers coming out, some of those prices may start tanking or going down. So, as I said before, Frontier was sort of Japan's answer to modern, and apparently Japan doesn't have a lot of access to a lot of the modern staples that we do we do in America and in um, Europe. So, Frontier is the format that starts. The cutoff is M15, you know, Magic 2015 core set, all the way up to now, so Aether Revolt at the time of this recording. Uh, nothing before then. So we have access to Magic 2015, the Cons of Tarkir block, Magic Origins, the Battle for Zendikar block, the Shadows of Innistrad block, and the Kaladesh block. So while that's not a lot of sets and a lot of the, um, I guess, fallback to the format would just be, oh, it's just going to be a lot of Bant Company or Four Color Rally. You know, a lot of the decks that were prominent in Battle for Zendikar while Khans was still in play as well. Because Four Color Rally was extremely dominant during um, Battle for Zendikar Khans uh, standard. So that was the main reason why it was created um have i personally played some frontier i played a few games on magic online and i even built a frontier deck uh insole artifact deck which is just really similar to the insole artifact deck that i played during magic origin standard i mean a few differences here and there with scrap heap scrounger in it um and then i had ornithopter and i mean i should pull up the list and um it's it's pretty much the same but just with some Kaladesh creatures and um, the format seems very interesting. Um, it's very cost effective and it does seem to be gaining some traction in terms of it getting support from GPs uh, channel fireball. I think ran some frontier side events, but I think I remember reading that none of them fired off because there just wasn't enough um, support there, but there have been a lot of reports at local levels that there are a lot of frontier tournament firing off. Um, even some one K's and two K's I think up in the Canadian area. And I know um Japan, the hallelujah store is really pushing the format more and more. Um, some of the other complaints I've read about the format was, oh, it's all a cash grab. Um, you know, Japan, the Hallelujah store is just really pushing this because they've got an overstock of rares and mythics that will just never sell and no one will buy, you know, a bunch of dig through times and, you know, baby Jaces that are just never going to sell. So they created this format to push it. And, you know, I can put on my tinfoil hat and probably spout off some of the same stuff, but you know, it's. I mean, you, you could say that for anything, um, you know, 
they're they're pushing standard to sell you know cards the secondary market is of course they are of course there's going to be pushed cards and of course store stores and shop owners are going to figure out ways to sell off their bulk and if people are having fun enjoying frontier then let them play it it looks very fun um it definitely doesn't look i mean the games i have played they're fun but it still feels like it's modern light it's missing some of those um especially some of those one mana cards that are almost feel needed like i know we have lightning strike in frontier but no lightning bolt um, there's no path to exile. There's now fatal push, which is really good, but there it's like I said, it's still missing some of those, you know, really popular spells that are in modern that just are not in frontier and who knows if they will be. Um, do I think it will last? It's, I mean, if it keeps up with the grassroots support it has now, I think it will, but there is a very big, but, and I cannot lie. Um, there seems to be from, especially what I've seen from wizards is they don't want fetches in the format. If they were to create another postmodern format, which is inevitable because modern's card pool is just getting bigger and bigger and bigger each year. And it's getting, you know, I mean, modern is very diverse as a format. I love that about it, but as I said earlier, that it is getting to be more inaccessible for players to try to come into it. So if Wizards has mentioned that if they were to start a new format, they'd probably want to start it at Origins and have no fetch lands because I don't, I don't know. I still have never really understood their hatred for fetch lands. And I don't really want to say hatred. It's just, I guess, dislike is a better word. Um, because they just feel it slows the game down and there's too much shuffling, which I can understand that. But I just have to ask them, have they ever watched a professional game of Pokemon? Uh, the Pokemon card game. The Pokemon card game, the first few turns are nothing but shuffling. Drawing cards, shuffling. Uh, discarding cards, shuffling, 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 shuffling. Looking through your deck, shuffling. Um, oh, look, did you just look the other way? Shuffle your deck. Oh, what was that? What'd you just say to me? Shuffle your deck. Boom. That's all Pokemon is. It's it's fun. It's fun to watch when you know what you're watching, but they want to complain about fetch lands. I mean, yeah. And then there's also the complaint. Oh, fetch lands create too perfect or too good of mana, you know, but you know, I mean, oh, well, I mean, that that's just part of the game. And I, that's what I like about fetch lands. So there is that also. That while all this work may be getting put into Frontier right now with the thought that it's going to be M15 and up, if it turns out to that uh, Wizards wants to create a new format and they do dub it Frontier, but they want to start at Origins, all that work that they've done with the metagame and all those tournaments, they sort of become invalid. So what happens then? You know, does everybody who's been working hard on the frontier as it is now, I mean, do they just say, okay, let's do Wizards way? I mean, I, I can understand people be sort of peeved off about it, but I mean, whatever. Oh, well, they just got to deal with whatever Wizards hands them, you know, when they do decide to do a postmodern format. 
So I just wanted to discuss Frontier a little bit for you all and really talk about what it is, um, why it was created, and do I think it will last. Um, maybe to some people who may not know what Frontier is, and if you're not even really sure what Magic the Gathering is and you're listening to this and you, me talking about Frontier, well, now you know what it is. So congratulations. And that's all I've got to say about that. And now it's time for Bob Plays Magic. <sighs> Judge! Oh God, not again. Coming right over. Now it seems to be the pro. Oh, well, you see, Judge, I cast Lightning Bolt on his Delver of Secrets, and he responded with a Mana Leak. Now, the Delver of Secrets should still die, correct? Oh, God, not this again. This guy's an idiot. Oh, my God. No, no. No, well, you see here, and what's your name again? Oh, Bob. Well, Bob, you see... What's happening here is what we like to call the stack. And what he is responding to your lightning bolt by casting a mana leak to stop your lightning bolt. Now, do you have three mana to pay for this lightning bolt? (sighs) Obviously, I don't, but his Delver secret should still die, though, right? No, you see, you misunderstand. When you cast your lightning bolt and he casted his mana leak, it went on the stack. And whichever spell was cast last gets resolved first. So the lightning bolt should resolve, correct? No, it will not. Oh, God. Oh, okay. All right. Darko. Now, are there any other questions, Bob? No, I guess not. All right. So, on my next turn, I cast lightning bolt. And once again, I respond with another mana leak. Oh, God. The, the, the lightning bolt should kill the Delver of Secrets, right? Judge! And that has been Bob playing Magic. So it's been a couple of months now that there was an announcement from Wizards of the Coast CEO discussing the brand of Magic and what they want to do in terms of, you know, not just making a card game, but widening the aspect of maybe making a video game out of it. Uh, you know, they there's a board game already, which I've discussed about on the podcast as well as possibly making a movie. So I've been mulling over that about what would a Magic the Gathering movie even look like. And of course, you know, my first thought was, oh, well, you know, they need to start from the beginning with the Brothers War with Urza and, um, you know, how that all came to be, where they show the mending and the post-mending and, you know, how a lot of the Planeswalker Sparks came about. And, you know, it's, Of course, they wouldn't really do that because they've gotten far away from that Dominaria story a lot over the past years and has been mainly focused on this Gatewatch the past couple years, which involves Gideon, Chandra, Jace, Liliana, and Nyssa. And it's if they were to do a superhero-esque type movie involving the Gatewatch, I just feel like it wouldn't be that good because they would have to really rush through all the characters background stories um, I mean unless they do a separate movie for each gatewatch you know the original gatewatch team and do an origin story which would not do well at all but I mean it probably wouldn't be a bad TV show either you know that way they have a lot more time to really showcase each character and their motivations for wanting to protect the multiverse and making this oath of the gatewatch here and um I don't know. It's 
it's something that, like I said, I've been thinking of. And as far as a movie would go, a good movie, I don't know, you, you'd think, I don't know, it's really hard to say. Because, you know, obviously you can start off Battle for Zendikar, but then, but that's already a return set, so there wouldn't really be any background story for non-magic players. And they wouldn't really understand what's going on, like, oh, these Eldrazi Titans are, you know, coming around and attacking, and what's going on. Uh, a Probably a good movie, you know, what set would make a good movie? I think maybe something like Innistrad, uh, the original one where there's a lot more mystery and intrigue and all the gothic horror settings. And I don't know. I don't know. What are your thoughts on what would be a good Magic the Gathering movie it plot as far as it go? Um, would they? Would you want them to follow something like one of the sets and go with the story along that? Or maybe something completely new, Whereas if they want to go the superhero route, oh my gosh, Nicol Bolas, you know, is doing something bad and we need to go stop him. But we need to go over all these, you know, these planes, these multiverses and go to Lorwyn and go to Kamigawa. Well, no, they wouldn't even touch Kamigawa. You know, go to Ravnica, go to Innistrad and, you know, figure out what's going on and what Nicol Bolas is doing and try to stop him. And oh my gosh, they go to Amonkhet and Nicol Bolas is there with the Eldrazi Titans and he's setting off Emrakul after all the Gatewatch and they need to stop him. And then, you know, right before they're about to defeat Nicol Bolas, he disappears and then it's sequel time. Uh, that's just a pretty dumb plot right there. I mean, heck, that'd make a... Yeah, I mean, it wouldn't even make any sense because how can Nicol Bolas even control any of the Eldrazi Titans? But he would. He, don't worry about it. He would. And, um, no, when I think about it, I think a really good plane to visit as far as a story or as far as a movie goes, yeah, heck, even a TV show, I'd rather this be a TV show, is the whole Tarkir story where Sarkin goes to Tarkir, uh, starting off with Khan, seeing all the craziness going on with the five clans, then goes back in time, you know, finds Ugin, and then goes back to Dragons of Tarkir, and everything's completely changed. You know, I think that would probably make a really good TV show plot. It would just be really interesting. You know, that, that also just made me think of, if they did do a Magic the Gathering type tv show they can make it an anthology series where each season is completely different and not really related to the previous season um tarkir would be a good one Innistrad, um kamigawa um you know ravnica and then return to ravnica lorwyn all those stories i mean yeah there could be recurring characters uh, such as the gatewatch planeswalkers but it probably wouldn't be a bad idea uh, they probably wouldn't you know probably completely ignore all of the you know brothers war aspects of it because that's just so far away from you know modern day players to where it, i know a lot of the older and franchise magic players care about those stories but for the most part new players just don't even really know about them or even really care it's more all about the gatewatch you know so i don't know what are your thoughts on it what kind of plot line should the movie be? Uh, what, I mean, I, I, I think I like the idea of an anthology series where each season is completely different and it relates, but it doesn't relate. Um, 
there's some you know connections to it so yeah let me just hear your thoughts on it on what you think a magic the gathering movie should be so wizards recently announced their second ban and restricted announcement for the year on march 13 2017 and it included no changes to any format no banned cards no unbanned cards and while that's honestly a little bit surprising it's not really because i really feel that wizards right now is in a big damned if you do damned if you don't type scenario where they know the copycat combo in standard is oppressive and we saw that even in the past couple grand prix where you know the top eight were the majority four color copycat or some variation of copycat and it's really starting to push out Mardu vehicles. I mean, really, really, right now, the only two decks I even really see on coverage are Mardu vehicles and Copycat. Uh, Black Green Constrictor is starting to become less and less in the top tiers, and it's you're not really seeing it as much as we did a couple weeks ago. So, what can what else can Wizards even do for standard? Um, it's like I said. If they did ban Felidar Guardian or Sahili Ray, they're not only going to lose more customers' confidence in the format, it's just going to, they're even going to have more players drop and stop playing standard, which is their highest selling format right now. You know, that is the format that sells the most packs. So, what, what else can they do? I mean, like I said, I really think they're damned if damned if they do, damned if they don't. Um, there's, I think we're just stuck like this until Amonkhet, which comes out next month, and you know, hopefully Amonkhet changes up. I mean, it will change up standard. Obviously, there's always going to be pushed cards that are going to be you know constructed around, and it will bring about new formats. But is it going to be enough? I mean, we're we're still going to have two years or another year excuse me, or no, it'd be more of a year and a half of the copycat combo that we're going to have to deal with unless, you know, Wizards decides to ban a piece of it. Or they push out an answer to the card where it just, you know, completely stops it. I mean, we don't know at this point. And honestly, it's it's a little bit disappointing because... Ever since the first ban and restricted announcement where they banned Smuggler's Copter, Reflector Mage, and Emrakul, I haven't really been playing Standard at all. Uh, I do have a Standard deck right now, Jund Energy, and I have it built, but I have not played it once except online to test it out. But I have not gone to an FNM and played it, and I just spoke to my buddy uh, the other day, and he told me that this past FNM didn't even fire off. No one wanted to play Standard. And I'm hearing that around in my local area as well, that just standard is either not firing off or it's very low numbers. Like they're getting just eight people to fire off just an FNM. And that's just, that's, you know, a pretty sad state of the format. I mean, I know with Modern Masters 2017 coming out, I saw some PPTQs in my local area. They were supposed to be standard when it said they changed it to sealed. For modern masters because no one really wants to play standard right now at the top levels it's just going to be basically three decks or there's going to be some rogue deck that just happens to win but you know and it's 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 a little bit disappointing in a sense 
but I mean, hopefully we, we only have another what four or five weeks left of this standard until Almond Ket comes out. And I know it's going to shake things up, but how much will it shake up? I mean, we're going to have to be dealing with this copycat combo until they decide to ban it. And it's, like I said, it's looking like a bad state of the format. And it's frustrating because it's like, one, you can blame the development team for them completely missing this Felidar Guardian. But it's not just this copycat combo that they've missed. They missed Emrakul. They missed, you know, Reflector Mage. They missed Smuggling Copter, Smuggler's Copter. It's, and I don't want to say it's one person's fault. It's like the whole team's fault for just not catching these things while it's being developed. And I know they have, I know development or R&D has like a future, future league of where they try to develop decks and test them out. And it's just sort of really like, how did, how did this whole copycat combo even become missed? I mean, once it was spoiled, the whole internet knew it right away. And and it's just frustrating because I want to play standard. I want to go to FNM and play and enjoy, you know, having fun and playing awesome decks. And even if I'm net decking, you know, I, I want to have fun. But with everybody either playing one of these three decks, it gets very old very fast. And as far as spectating goes, spectating, you know, GPs and Star City Opens, when it comes to standard... It gets boring seeing the same decks over and over and over again. Yeah, there are slight differences, or they could have differences in their sideboard. But honestly, as a spectator, as a viewer, it's boring. And it doesn't make it for a lot of fun. I mean, there there are some good games out there. But when you pretty much know how the the decks are going to go and how each game is going to be because essentially each game it feels the same when martyr vehicles is up against copycat combo you know martyr vehicles really has to be on the reactive side they can't be too much on the aggressive side especially especially when they know that the copycat combo could come down at any second they can't always tap out completely uh when it comes to mid game and that and like I said, it just becomes boring after a while because you're seeing the same thing happen over and over again. It's basically, can the copycat deck get the combo out and win? Okay, so, okay, Martyr Vehicles is completely tapped out. Can copycat get the combo out? Yes. Okay, win. And it's just... It's frustrating. So, like I said, uh, I we know Amonkhet is going to change things up. There's already been a quote-unquote spoiled Amonkhet card, what, Dust Till Dawn, and while it seems pretty cool, uh, what it does, uh, hold on, let me bring it up here, just to read what it does, oh crap, where'd it go, you think I'd have this kind of stuff prepared, right, no, that's not what we do, um, alright, so it's a sorcery card, um, crap, how much does it cost, I think it, it was a four, four mana costing card, uh, two colorless, two white. Uh, the dusk part destroy all creatures with power equal to or greater than three, and then the dawn part has consequences where you can 
cast this only from your graveyard, then exile it. Return all creature cards with power equal to or less than two from your graveyard to your hand. Which, that seems pretty cool. You know, it's um pretty cool effect. It's sort of like a fuse card, but, you know, the, the second part, you can only cast it from your graveyard. That That's a pretty neat design there. The look of the card, I wish I could show you right now in Audio Land, but holy crap, it's hideous. Um, Alright, so you remember the Fuse cards from Return to Ravnica block, the Breaking and Entering, where it's you hold it sideways and it's like two cards. Uh, they sort of cut it in half. So this one, it's they the card, the top half of the card is um, positioned like a normal magic card. And then the second half... It looks like it's tapped and it it's sideways. So it's I don't I don't like it's really hard to describe. It just looks hideous. I do not like the design of it at all. It's why? Why not just bring in the fuse aspect of it? Maybe because the text would be too small or not enough text. So they have to do, you know, one side is up and the other side is like tapped at a 90 degree angle, and it's just it's a mess. That's all I've got to say. Why not make it a flip card if they were going to do that? I mean, like I said, we don't know for sure if this is a final design or if this card is even real. It looks real from the picture. I think it's in Portuguese, but it was translated. And um, I don't know, man. It just looks bad. So, yeah. I mean, we'll get more into Amonkhet as we know more and as... As the story of Amonkhet goes on, I also want to review the stories of Amonkhet as well. You know, I probably should have done that for Aether Revolt, but as, as I said, I'm I'm changing the the format of the podcast a little bit, where we're going to be not only talking about the card game, but the whole aspect of Magic as well, and that's going to be including the stories. So I'm going to be doing story reviews coming soon when Amonkhet comes back, and just give my little um you know, little reviews of the story as well. So a couple episodes ago, you heard my interview with Mark from Life Begins at 20. And just to uh, introduce him again, he is a YouTuber out based out of England. And he primarily does Cube videos talking about Cube, the format of Cube, everything about Cube, how to play Cube with just two people, um, really, really well done videos. And he does, you know, some other magic videos as well, like opening packs, does some deck techs, um, all that stuff. Uh, really look up his YouTube channel, Life Begins at 20, and you'll be pleasantly surprised at how well done it is. Um, really enjoyed talking with him as well when he was on the podcast. Hope to get him back one day and just discuss more about magic, you know, even cube and all that. So ever since that episode, I think I mentioned in the episode where I want to do like a family tribal cube and boy, have I been at work at that. Um, I do have a list down right now. Um, I'm not going to go over every single card. It's a 360 card list and um, it's May I mainly built it with the thought of I want to play this with my kids, and they they know how to play magic, um, very basic magic though, and it's 
you know, we've only been doing these these little decks that I built, um, the elves and goblins. Have we done some commander? A little bit. Commander seems to be a little bit too hard for them right now. But I really want them to enjoy one of my favorite formats of Magic, and that's limited. So I instead of you know always having to buy some packs and you know try to do a sealed or something like that, Cube was the perfect answer for all this because one of the things that really that I really love about cube is it's like a board game you put it away when you're done and then when you want to play it again you just bring it out and boom there you go instant ability to you know booster draft sealed uh whatever else um like i said life begins at 20 mark um he's he's shown he's doing more videos of how to do two-player cubes and definitely watch them i've seen one of them i think it was the winston draft I think it was, but um, he's done some other ones too, like a pancake one or something. I don't know. I haven't had time to watch him yet, but I, I do plan on it because it's going to give me some great ideas of how to play when it's just me and my little one or my me or my teenager, um, etc. So like I said, this cube that I've built, it's pretty simple. Um, that there, I don't have any multicolored cards in it. And the reason why for that is I want to focus on the monocolored aspects of it. I mean, you could, it's, you can still draft, you know, two to three colors if you wanted to with it. I mean, cause it's all going to depend on what cards you get past you anyway, or if you're doing sealed, what cards you have in your pool anyway. But I really wanted to make sure each color has its own sort of theme to it has its own sort of identity and I do plan on making this cube bigger from 360 to 540 or or whatever whatever the next logical step is and I do want to add multicolored after that and I do want to add some more themes to it as well but for right now it's it's pretty simple um, I want to just briefly go over every color in the cube and maybe talk about some of the all-stars in those colors as well so um, white is, like I said, this is a family tribal cube. So white is mainly an angel and humans theme. And there are some one, one counters theme to it. It's not very fast. It's more mid range to late game focused. Um, some of the all stars of the white cube would have to be, uh, let me go over. I mean, Archangel Avison is definitely one of them. Uh, the three and two white flash flying vigilance. Uh, when Archangel Avison enters the battlefield, creatures you control gain indestructible until end of turn. When a non-angel creature you control dies, transform Archangel Avison. I can't talk this morning. Archangel Avison at the beginning of the next upkeep, and then it flips over to a 6-5. And when it transforms, it deals three damage to each other creature and each opponent. So that's one of the all-stars of the white cube. Um... I do have Baruna the Fading Light and Gisilla the Broken Blade, which is... Oh, by the way, I do have all three meld cards on there because I loved Shadows over Innistrad and Eldritch Moon Draft, and I loved the meld mechanic. Um, you know, I do remember going up against someone who managed to draft Gisela and Bruno one time, and I think he ended up going 3-0 or 4-0 and just wiping everybody. So that was a lot of fun. Um I, I love Meld, so I so Gisela and Bruna, you know, become Brusella, Voice of Nightmares, which is a 9-10 Eldrazi Angel with Flying First Strike, Vigilance, Lifelink. Your opponents can't cast spells with converted mana cost three or less. So that is a, another fun 
card in there. Um, then I do have Avison Angel of Hope, the original Avison, who does Flying Vigilance, Avison Angel of Hope, and other permanents who can control are indestructible. It does it does have a big cost with it though, and that's five colorless and three white, so eight altogether. And with draft, we all know that drafting something with three white is a bit tough. But, you know, there is some mana fixing in the cube if you manage to draft it as well. Um, some of the other notables in the white section of the cube are... I do like Thalia's Lieutenant, which, you know, does contribute to the 1-1 counter theme, which is one in a white when Thalia Lieutenant... When Thalia's Lieutenant enters the battlefield, put a 1-1 counter on each other human you control. Whenever another human enters the battlefield under your control, put a 1-1 counter on Thalia's Lieutenant. Um, so that is probably one of the better human cards in the deck. I do have some, you know, common and vanilla creatures in the queue because I did want to add, you know some complicated cards in here but i didn't want to have every single card be full of text and it be too complicated for my kids to play because like i said i'm gearing this towards my kids for when we play in my family and but i also want it to where if i decide to bring it to the shop you know they should they can still enjoy it as well you know the more enfranchised players as well can enjoy it uh, some of the, you know, and in the show notes, I will put a link to my cube list and just so you all can see it. And, you know, if you have any comments on it or questions, you know, just let me know. As far as non-creature spells go for the white side, um, a lot of them are destroy target creature or exile target creature, power four or greater. Um, some are given, you know, target creature, you know, boost with first strike or lifelink. Uh, I do have one board wipe. Each color has its own sort of board wipe. Actually, blue has two, but they're more of a, you know, return creatures to your hands type thing. They don't kill them. So the board wipe for white is Fumigate. And I was thinking about doing Wrath of God, but I sort of, I didn't want to, I, I, I kind of wanted to stay away from the four mana costing Wraths. Because, like I said, I, I want this cube to be slightly slower. I mean, there is there are ways to build aggro in this cube. But I wanted at least the board wipes to be slightly slower and not just so quick. So I stayed away from the four mana cost wraths, at least for all the colors except blue. Um, and, yeah, and... Like I said, all the other cards, they're just really exile effects or destroy effects. There are some gain life cards, and there's a reason for that because, um, you know, either to stave off from dying or if you need to flip something like Lone Rider, who's in the cube, to where if you gain three or more life this turn, you can transform Lone Rider into It That Rides as One, which is a 4-4 first strike trample lifelink. Um, so, yeah. That's pretty much white in a nutshell. As far as blue go, blue blue was a hard one at first because really thinking of tribal themes, I can only really think of merfolk and wizards. And I don't have a lot of merfolk in the deck. Uh, when I was designing it, I blue has the least amount of creatures in the whole list. It's got 31 where everything else has 36 and green has 41. Um, there's a reason why that's off by one because I added all the gear hulks to the to the cube 
as because I was wanting them to be added to the artifact creature count, but in the list it adds it to its um, color count. So to me, e- each of them are even. It's just it adds one to it because of the gear hulks. But as far as um, themes go, I was thinking wizard, merfolk, but also I added some sphinx too because I want them to be able to be flying and there's one dragon I think I added. And just as sort of a flavor thing, I added all three Delver of Secrets to the cube because I love those cards. Um, of course, Delver of Secrets itself, the first one is the best one, but then there's, where is it? Uh, where is it? Aberrant Researcher, which is the more upgraded one. And then there's Dawson of Perfection. And I feel like those would just be really fun draft cards because, I don't, I don't know, to me they're fun. They're all flip cards. Uh, some of the Sphinx cards that really stand out, there's Sphinx of the Final Word, which is 5 and 2 blue, which it can't be countered. It has flying hexproof. Instant and sorcery spells you control can't be countered by spells or abilities. Uh, my main goal for blue was to really be a support color. In terms of all the non-creature spells you get, there are a lot of counter spells. There are a good amount of draw spells. And there are some good, uh, what would you call it? Yeah, I mean, as far as the instant sorceries goes, there's draw spells, counter spells, uh, return to your hand spells, um, all that type of stuff. So, I mean... Yeah, like like I said, blue was really meant to be more of a support color than anything. Um, Some other creatures that stand out, um, Thing of the Ice is one, a good one, which, as you know, it's a one and a blue defender. Thing in the Ice enters with four ice counters on it. Whenever you cast an instant sorcery spell, remove an ice counter from Thing in the Ice. Then if it has no ice counters on it, transform it, and it transforms into a Woken Horror. When this creature transforms into a Woken Horror, return all non-horror creatures to their owner's hands. Uh, Some of the other good cards that I really like are Merfolk Looter, uh, one of the best Merfolk out there, in my opinion. Um, Yeah, I didn't really add a whole lot of Merfolk. I also added Master of Waves. Uh, As far as Sphinxes go, yeah, I had Sphinx of the Final Wind. Or final word, I mean, Wind Reader Sphinx, which is five and two blue flying. Whenever a creature of flying attacks, you may draw a card. So, you know, if you really ha- if you manage to draft this and draft a bunch of flyers, that's going to be really good come late game. Uh, what are some other ones? Uh, Chasm Skulker is always one of my favorite. Whenever you draw a card, put a 1-1 counter in Chasm Skulker. And when it dies, put X-1-1 blue squid creature tokens with Island Walk onto the battlefield, where X is the number of 1-1 counters on Chasm Skulker. Uh, as far as the quote-unquote board wipes go for this deck, I've got Displacement Wave, which is X and 2 blue, return all non-land permanents with converted mana cost X or less to their owner's hands. And then I have Whelming Wave, which is the 4 mana quote-unquote wrath, return all creatures through their owner's hand except for Krakens, Leviathans, Octopuses, and Serpents. When it comes to black, black at first was a little bit tough as well because it was originally just vampire zombie theme. And so talking with Mark from Life Begins at 20, he... It, at first, black was pretty weak on the upper end. It was really fast at first. It was more built for aggro, but the higher 
creatures, um, anything five and up, they were just either non-existent or just way too weak. So I changed it up a little bit. So I added some demons to it as well with some one, one counters on it. And it can be aggressive, but it can also be really good mid to late game as well. So some of the notable cards I added for black were um, Reaver Demon, which is four and four black, which that is a lot for you know, th that many black right there. So when Reaver Demon comes into play, if you played it from your hand, destroy all non-artifact, non-black creatures, they can't be regenerated. So there's a bit of a damnation for you with eight cost. Um, with mana fixing, it is possible to get that card out if you manage to draft it. Um, I do have Lord of the Pit, which is four colorless and three black during your upkeep sacrifice a creature other than lord of the pit if you cannot lord of the pit deal seven damage to you so that's really a one of those cards where you have to make sure you have some other creatures out or hopefully you can survive seven damage to your face at that point um i also added soul flare which i've always really like this card it's it's one of those really unique cards from the Konzatark here block it's four colorless and two black it does have delve if a creature card with flying was exiled with soul flayers delve abilities soul flayer has flying the same is true for first strike double strike death touch haste hexproof indestructible lifelink reach trample and vigilance so that is one of the things i like with it so if you have some creatures in the graveyard that are dead and you don't have a way to get them and you have soul flayer in your hand delve them out so you can give soul flayer like flying and first strike and lifelink and all sorts of awesome abilities with it as well um, some of the other ones that I had to add were Voldoran Pariah, which is a 3-3 flyer for 3 colorless and 2 black. But if you sacrifice 3 of the creatures, you transform Voldoran Pariah. And when this creature transforms into Abolisher of Bloodlines, target opponent sacrifices 3 creatures. Really awesome ability too. Um, what were some of the other ones I added? Ravenous Demon was another one. Uh, three colorless and two black sacrifice a human transform ravenous demon activate this ability only anytime you could cast a sorcery it has then it becomes arch demon of greed flying trample at the beginning of your upkeep sacrifice a human if you can't tap arch demon of greed and it deals nine damage to you so there's you know you really need to make sure you have some humans with you as well for that um but still a really good card um the, I do have the Midnight Scavengers and Graph Rats combo going on there. Like I mentioned, I do have the the all the meld cards in here. Um, I have Mine Rack Demon. Uh, I have Grave Digger for if you want to be able to bring cards back to your hand. Uh, some of the zombie cards, I have Diagraph Colossus. Uh, Liliana's Elite, I have Relentless Dead, Crypt Breaker. Um, what are some of the other good zombie cards? Oh, Heir of Falconrith, one of the best vampire cards, in my opinion. Um, really super cheap to play, one in one black. Uh, discard a card, transform Heir of Falconrith, activate this ability only once each turn, and it becomes Heir to the Night, a flying 3-2 for two. That is super good. Uh, where were some of the other zombie cards? Where are they? Give me a moment. Where are they? I didn't. I guess I don't have as many zombie cards as I thought. Oh, Vengeful Dead. That's another good one. I like that one. 
And then, oh, Unbreathing Horde. I do like that one. Unbreathing Horde enters the battlefield with a 1-1 counter on it for each other zombie you control and each zombie card in your graveyard. If Unbreathing Horde would be dealt damage, prevent that damage or remove a 1-1 counter on it. That is awesome. And I do have Phyrexian Ghoul, which is the basically Nantuko Husk. You sacrifice a creature, Phyrexian Ghoul gets plus two, plus two until end of turn. You know, a nod to Phyrexian Husk right there. I mean, Phyrexian Ghoul came out first than Nantuko Husk, right? I think so. Um, that's pretty much it as far as the creatures go, as far as notable creatures. Uh, the instants and sorceries are a lot of hand disruption and kill spells like Doomblade, Ultimate Price, um, Despise, Defeat. I didn't want to put Thought Seize or Inquisition in here. Um, I kind of wanted to, to nerf some of the hand disruption spells on there. I didn't want to make them too much. But, I mean, if it does get to a point where my kids become pretty good and more adept at playing and drafting, I do want to add, like, Thought Seize and um, uh, Inquisition in there and maybe Duress. I don't even have Duress in there. It's just... Oh, wait. No, I don't have Duress. Oh, I thought I... Oh, I guess I don't have as many... Um, Oh, no, I do have some. Okay, never mind. I've got, like, three or four hand disruption spells. Uh, you'll see it in the list. Uh, then the board wipe is Crux of Fate because there is a dragon theme in the um, cube. So I figure that'd be a really good board wipe if you manage to, manage to get it. Destroy all dragon creatures or destroy all non-dragon creatures. And then one of my favorite sorcery spells is Rise of the Dark Realms. Uh, seven colorless and two black for nine. Put all creature cards from all graveyards onto the battlefield under your control. Love that card. And I feel like that is perfect for black as well. Uh, and just and then another card I put in here just for fun. I may take it out, but I'm, I'm probably just going to keep it in because it's a really fun card, is the Triskaidekaphobia enchantment. At the beginning of your upkeep, choose one. Each player with exactly 13 life loses the game. Then each player gains one life. Each player with exactly 13 life loses the game. Then each player loses one life. So, I always felt that was a pretty fun, pretty fun um, card there. So that is it for black. Let's move on to red. Red is more of a goblin, werewolf, dragon tribal theme. Uh, probably more goblin than anything. Some of the notable goblins are goblin pile driver, uh, goblin rabble master, go goblin king. Um, then I have gutter snipe. Then I have goblin heel cutter, which has during Fate Reforged draft, I remember doing one deck where I drafted like three or four Goblin Heel Cutters. And Goblin Heel Cutter is three colorless and a red. Whenever Goblin Heel Cutter attacks, target creature can't block this turn. And you can dash it out for two colorless and a red, where you basically play it that turn, it gains haste. And then at the end of, was it at the end of combat or at the end of the turn? At the beginning of the next end step, it goes back to your hand. Um, love that card. That's always been a limited all-star for me. I do have Goblin Dark Dwellers, which is basically the red Snapcaster Mage. And, um, yeah, and as far as the werewolves go, any notable werewolves? Um, oh, there are some vampires in here as well. Um, oh, Reckless Bushwhacker for goblins and Rummaging Goblin for the looting effect. As far as werewolf skull, I have... Where is some of my good werewolves? I do have Mandarin Shaman, which that's a good werewolf. Uh, where are you? Where are you? Where are you? 
I've always liked Gatstaff Arsonist from Shadows of Ernestrad. Really good one. That one saved my butt a couple times in draft. Um, not as many werewolves as I thought there was. There, there are a few. Um, and then I do have the Hanware Garrison for the meld, which is the Hanware Garrison is the red part, and then there is the Hanware Battlements, which is the land, and they can meld together, and you have like an attacking land, like an attacking town, an Eldrazi town, just attacking you pretty much, uh, <laughs> which is pretty cool. Pretty cool thought there, as far as um, you know, magic goes. Uh, some of the dragons that are on here. Um, probably my favorite dragon card ever, and I've, oh, I fell in love with this card. I really need to get the, um, game day promo of it, because the art is beautiful, and that's Thunderbreak Regent. I've always, always loved this card. Thunderbreak Regent is two colorless and two red flying. Whenever a dragon you control becomes the target of a spell or ability an opponent controls, Thunderbreak Regent deals three damage to that player, so it's always doing, it's bolting you in the face. So, that part's really awesome. Uh, another good card, another good draft card that I like, Spawn of Thraxis, five colorless and two red. When Spawn of Thraxis enters the battlefield, it deals damage to target creature or player equal to the number of mountains you control. So that is another cool ability there. It is a bit expensive, but cool nonetheless. Um, uh, the, as far as spells go, it's very burn heavy. Um, I have had some questions asked, why don't you have lightning bolt in it? I didn't want to make the burn too powerful. So instead of the lightning bolt slot, I have shock in there. I do have lightning strike, you know, which is better than nothing at least. Um, then I have something like shrapnel blast and, um, I have explosive impact, which is five colorless and a red deals five damage to creature or player. I have spreading flames, um, that's six damage divided as you choose among any number of target creatures. As far as sorceries go, I've got Firebolt, I've got Exquisite Firecraft, I've got Lightning Javelin, uh, Searing Flesh, uh, Blasphemous Act is the Board Wipe, which is eight colorless and a red. And a red. Blasphemous Act costs one less to cast for each creature on the battlefield, and it deals 13 damage to each creature. Um... Yeah, that's pretty much it for red in a nutshell there. Uh, really enjoyable. It's really meant for more aggro, uh, you know, really early game aggression, but it can do well late game as well as you can as you can see in the list. As far as green goes, green is more of a beast elves tribal theme. There are, I think, a couple werewolves in there. That's um Natter uh Hermit of the Natter Knolls and Duskwatch Recruiter. Uh, really good cards by themselves. Um, as far as the elves go, I have the Arbor Elf, the Elvish Mystic, and Lanawar Elves for some ramp abilities. Um, some of the other notable elves are Dwinin's Elite, Elvish Visionary, Elvish Vanguard, which does have 1-1 one, one counter. Uh, green does really have a 1-1 one, one counter theme to it as well. Not all the creatures, but more of the elves have 1-1 one, one counters to them and to really help that out i do have hardened scales which is a one green enchantment if one or more one one counters will be placed on a creature you control that many plus one 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 counters are placed on it instead so that's to really help out with the one one counter theme not just for green but for white and black as well and some of the notable creatures in here are woodland bellower 
which is four colorless and two green. When Woodland Bellower enters the battlefield, you may search your library for a non-legendary green creature card with converted mana cost three or less. Put it on the battlefield and shelf your library. Uh, that has saved my butt in some Origins draft there. Uh, Garrick's Horde is the top creature. As far as the converted mana cost goes, five colorless and two green. Play with the top card of your library revealed. You may cast the top card of your library. If it's a creature card, it's a 7-7. Seven, seven. Uh, Verudius Gear Hulk is in it. Like I said, all the Gear Hulks are in the in the deck. Um, another card that I really like is Voice of the Woods. Uh, three colorless and two green. Tap five untapped elves you control. Put a 7-7 seven, seven green elemental creature token with Trample into play. That is just an awesome ability, and if you if you manage to get a strong number of green cards, boom. I mean, elf cards, boom. That'll be super easy for you to draft. Uh, what are some other good creature cards that I put in here? Arbor Backstomper, three colorless and two green. Trample, five four. When Arbor Backstomper enters the battlefield, enters the battlefield, you gain five life. Um. Oh, Solitary Hunter is another werewolf card. Uh, what's some, oh, here's another one that I love. Liz Alana Huntmaster. Two colorless, two green. Whenever you play an elf spell, you may put a 1-1 green elf warrior creature token into play. Super awesome elf creature. If you're really going heavy into the elf theme and you manage to draft Liz Alana Huntmaster and Voice of the Woods, boom, that's just going to help you get that 7-7 elemental creature token out even easier. And yeah that are that's really it for the notable green creatures as far as the spells go there are more pump spells than anything the board wipe card where is it um i had a hard time finding a good board wipe spell for green there's really not a lot out there because the majority of them do just uh all damage to flying creatures so the only one i have in here if you're up against a a um uh, a, a player that's has a lot of flying creatures. The only one I put in here were Claws of Wirewood. Three colorless and a green. Claws of Wirewood deals three damage to each creature of flying and each player. Um, it does have cycling, but it's, like I said, there's just not a lot of not a lot of them in there. Maybe I can put Hurricane or something in there. I don't know. But that was the only one I could find that was even decent. But um, there are some... Yeah, there's Pump Spells... There's some prevent damage spells, uh, you know, like fog abilities. I do have collect a company in here, which I mean, it's it's still really good draft card, but it's not that powerful though, because you know you could always whiff on it. And that's it for green as far as artifacts go. Um, the artifact creatures that I have in here are all the Gear Hulks. Um, one of my favorite artifact cards, um, Scuttling Doom Engine, in an M15 draft, I managed to play a generator servant and then the next turn sack it to get out scuttling doom engine swing with swing with scuttling doom engine and do six damage then cast um shrapnel blast and boom to do five damage then plus six you know boom kill my opponent um because scuttling doom engine is a six colorless car or six mana cost Six converted mana cost card. It can't be blocked by creature of power two or less. When Scuttling Doom Engine dies, it deals six damage to target opponent. So you do Shrapnel Blast, which you sack an artifact and to deal five damage to target player or creature. So boom, you're doing 11 damage in one fell swoop. Uh, another good card that I like as far as artifact creatures go is Stuffy Doll. 
Um, Stuffy Doll is indestructible. When it comes into play, you choose a player. Whenever damage is dealt to Stuffy Doll, it deals that much damage to the chosen player, and you can tap Stuffy Doll to deal one damage to itself, which then deals one damage to the player. Um, I do have Metalwork Colossus, which is 11 converted in mana cost, and Metalwork Colossus costs X less to cast, where X is the total converted mana cost of non-creature artifacts you control. Sacrifice two artifacts, return Metalwork Colossus from your graveyard to your hand. Um, I have st other stuff like Junk Diver, which can return artifacts to your hand. Uh, Signal Pest, Ornithopter, Memnite. I have those weak ones because I do also have Insole Artifact in blue, which allows you to enchant our artifact and it becomes a 5-5 creature. Um, as far as some of the non-creature artifacts I have, I have Planar Bridge, which is 6 converted mana cost. Um, you can tap, you can pay 8 and then tap Planar Bridge to search your library for a permanent card, put it on the battlefield, and shuffle your library. Really awesome. I have some mana rocks like Hedron Archive and Thran Dynamo. I've got a board wipe for the artifacts. Nevin, Nevin Rawls Disc. I think I'm saying that right. Uh, four, four mana costs and it comes into play tapped. You pay one, destroy all artifact creatures and enchantments. Um, I don't really have a lot of good uh, equipment. I've only got two here. I've got Brawler's Plate and murderers act i do plan on adding more equipment as i grow the cube but just for right now it's just those two. Oh, and sort of the animus as well um i've got key to the city which is one of the best artifacts in this whole cube uh you it costs two you tap it discard a card up to one target creature can't be blocked this turn when it becomes untapped you may pay two if you do draw a card that card has won me so many drafts um if i've managed to draft it then I've got Chromatic Lantern for, you know, color mana fixing. And I've got Spring Leaf Drum for some mana fixing as well. As far as lands go, lands are pretty basic. I've got all 10 uh, triple color lands, the shards and the wedges. I've got all 10 dual lands from Alpha, Beta. Um, they, are, they are fakes, so I didn't spend that much money. You know, the Taiga, Tropical Island, Tundra. I have all three Urza's cards, the Urza's Mines, Urza's Power Plant, and Urza's Tower. Um, and I do have Spire of Industry, which is sort of like the, the um, City of Brass. Um, you pay one life, add one mana to, of any color to your mana pool. Oh, you can only activate this ability only if you control an artifact. Oh, yeah. It's a little bit of a cost there. And then I have all the blighted um, lands from Battle for Zendikar because I really liked them. They they sort of sort of um, give that theme to each color, uh, you know, that color pie identity, which Blighted Cataract allows you to draw two cards when you sack it. Blighted Fen makes your opponent sack a creature. Blighted Gorge, it deals two damage to target creature or player. Uh, step allows you to gain two life for each creature control and woodland allows you to search for basic lands which is probably the best one or my favorite one at least and yeah there is my cube in a nutshell i know i rambled on and on about it uh like i said in the show notes i am going to have i'm going to have a link to my cube list and as i'm working on collecting all the cards i've only done some play tests with it online i haven't really i haven't done it physically yet because I'm still gathering all the cards. I've ordered a bunch of them. I probably have about 90% of the cards 
by now. It's just some of the more expensive ones I have to wait, and I'm probably going to proxy those expensive ones for now or just leave them out because, you know, it's only going to be maybe up to four people for the cube. So I just have to wait and see. We'll have to see what colors are more dominant than others and take it from there. And I do plan on expanding it. And yeah, that has been me talking about my cube. And yeah, as as you can tell, I am super excited about this. I've been I've been more focused on cube lately than anything at all. It's it's pretty much all I can think about is like my cube, my cube, my cube. And it's all thanks to market. Life begins at twenty. Freaking getting me into cube here, and I can see why it's so addicting now. So yeah, all right. So that is the end of the show this week. Um, if you want to send me any questions or anything, you can send them to me at mtgzubi at gmail.com. Uh, Magic Wazubi can also be found on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio. And we are also on mtgcast.com as well as podcastradionetwork.net on every Tuesday at 9 o'clock Eastern. And oh, what else? Oh, I've got a Patreon. That's right. Uh, you can find me on patreon.com slash magic with Zuby. Uh, if you there, I mean, there are a bunch of tiers and you can read them all. Um, you get a shout out if you donate at least a dollar and there's four different tiers. And if you donate $5 or more, you get to pick a topic I talk about on the episode. Woo. You get to hear me, you know, ramble on about shit. So yeah, there you go. And yeah, everybody, thanks for listening and have a great night. <laughs>